Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. I've got my partner in crime, Frank, across from me. And uh, as Frank would say, we do have a truly special guest. Uh, <laughs> Frank's got to get a new intro. But uh, we've got Doc Pete from Fieldcraft Survival and to uh, help you guys not die. Uh, thanks for coming in, man. <laughs> yeah, follow me if you want to live. <laughs> well, I uh, I met you recently when I, when I flew down to Utah and went over to Fieldcraft with that meeting turned in what, what I expected to be a bullshit session to be a semi-partnership and uh, getting people heading uh, your way as far as field craft for training and some of the things people ask us for. But uh, rather than me screw up your history, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm old. Uh, been around for a little <laughs> bit. Been around the block. Uh, came in the Army with uh, Ronald Reagan and uh, currently uh, off active duty and in a, in a reserve capacity, National Guard capacity now. Uh, 37 years on my, what we call a leave and earning statement, which means I've been in for a while, <laughs> uh, in and out. I went to college, medical school, got back in after nine 11 and, uh, been going since been a special operations community, uh, working both as an operator and as a physician. Uh, basically there's, <laughs> there's good and bad to both. You know, my, yeah. my, my joy comes in taking care of my bros, but, uh, sometimes the best medicine on the battlefield is superior firepower. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I, I can understand that. Uh, what, um, can you talk about like what, what rank are you that, that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, so you know, I'm on my way out the door so that they can come get me if I say something wrong, but <laughs> I, I doubt that's going to happen. Uh, I'm in good stead. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel, uh, right now started out as a private, you know, 17 year old, didn't know nothing. I was Forrest Gump. Let's just say that <laughs> <laughs> with a, with a big belt buckle and a horse. Yeah. 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 Forrest didn't have horses. So no, he didn't. He, he's a shrimp, <laughs> shrimp farmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, um, we, uh, Lieutenant Colonel and, and then how long were you in special operations? Since 2003, three. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then you, um, and I won't mention a ton of people's names, but some of the people in the community, um, you've, it's kind of like the hunting community. It's a small community, even though it's a big one. And you, uh, you've served with a lot of the people that are on podcasts and taking care of them, which is kind of crazy when you're like, oh yeah, yeah, he served under me or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yes. So right. you, you've definitely been around the world and seen a couple things. Um, and, and I've had a few people when, uh, when I was at, Fieldcraft messaged me that are in now and we're like hey did you did you meet doc and uh, i'll actually tell you later their names because okay. they were like hey, he's a cool motherfucker and we kind of <laughs> chad and i when we were there made the joke that you need to go back on uh, yellowstone that kevin costner's uh missing you you definitely look like you should be on yellowstone yeah, i, I got that a couple rip. times yeah yeah with rip yeah i like that dude now i can i can relate it's my uh that's my what is it called the animal thing you know they call it your uh yeah. spirit spirit animal yeah. that's it yeah spirit animal. he's my spirit animal yeah he's yeah. cool as shit yeah. so we have how many podcasts have we done a few hundred oh yeah quite a few now 303 years worth either way we've never really talked about um we've gla- glanced over glazed over uh some medical stuff but frank and i Literally, our med kit is like Luco tape and some Percocet or Oxycontin. Like, it's not great. Um, I did, though, which I'll show you the video. I did have a guy stitch me up the other day, which um, you probably would have smacked the shit out of both of us. Uh, he didn't have hemostats, and so I brought my suture kit down, and he got drunk, watched it on YouTube, and then uh, <laughs> stitched me up with— uh, You're the one who's supposed to get drunk, aren't you? Rusty. Well, he not was way, he was <laughs> yeah. like eight Roman Cokes deep when I got there. And I'm like, hey, you've stitched guys before? He's like, yeah. And I walk in, and he's watching it on YouTube. I'm like, 
well, fuck, this isn't going to end up well. But it actually yeah. uh, healed up good. Uh, he looks put good. Ten yeah. stitches in there. We didn't have any numbing. Lidocaine. Like, no, we have yeah. shit. Uh, it wasn't that bad though. Like I've I've had my legs stitched up before, but he's not a great uh, knot tire. So uh, I had yeah. to finish it up because he didn't know how to tie the the finishing. Well, fuck, I said I didn't know how to tie the finishing knots, but. Uh, use a fishing knot. That's what I used. <laughs> yeah, it there healed up. What was surprising, it didn't get infected. Now, we poured uh, alcohol and shit all over it so it wouldn't get infected. But overall, I'll show you the video. We did it on a live story. Mm-hmm. It was pretty comical because I'm laying back there. I'm like, dude, just fucking push it through. because <laughs> he's, And I'm like, just reef it through there. But either way, we have not covered uh, really anything other than Frank's a little bit prone to, I guess, pulmonary edema. Um, okay, and, with and high altitude stuff. Yeah. yeah. You've got it Tracking. twice? I've had it twice, yeah. And when I full on, his lungs uh, were filling up with, like you said, you'd cough Flip, and it flu. was like. Yeah, I could just breathe frothy. out and go. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. uh, <laughs> liquid would come out. Yeah. Frothy yeah. sputum is the uh, is the term, but yeah, liquid. So <laughs> this, <It'll> work. <laughs> this crazy fucker, uh, he got it. And uh, what you guess you said, you figured you'd hike out until you thought you were going to die and you hit the. The beacon. The beacon, yeah. So yeah. How, you went nine miles. How long did it take? Five, six hours. It took a long time. <laughs> I don't, it's funny because uh, once yeah. I felt better, I went back hunting. It was like a week or week and a half later, and uh, I went back hunting. I killed a deer, and I packed it out. It took like half that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Packing it out and all. Yeah. 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 But um, we had a specialist come in for that. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she, what is she, the lead, one of the lead researchers? What? She's high up for. She's got to be a pulmonologist. Yeah, or something. yeah. She's yeah. one of the top dogs at uh, UC. She. Okay. So when she found that I had COVID from Instagram, because she's a big COVID expert, she uh, called me when we were in we were in the Davis Mountains down there, and uh, she was not fucking thrilled. She's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? You're hunting?" And I'm like, "It's not that bad." I was like, "I, it's, I got a little cold chills, a little stiff, but I'm like, overall, I warm up. I'm good." And well, you like, were social distancing. No, no uh, we all had, we called it COVID <laughs> okay. camp 2020. We all had it. Uh, <laughs> okay. There was more people. All right. Well, then we had cattle ranchers that, uh, well, Scotty and Wes, mm-hmm. uh, Wes is Scotty's son. Um, they're cattle ranchers. So right. they, they had heard ivermectin yeah. helps. Yeah. So they brought ivermectin down. I was just squirting it on my finger and eating it. It doesn't taste like apple. That apple <laughs> flavor tastes like shit. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's that stuff for the horses, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're taking ivermectin. And I'm like. It's a dewormer. I didn't fucking figure it hurt anything. And I said, I heard it was good for preventative. And anyway, she was not thrilled, but she is about the only, I guess, anything in the medical field we've had on here. So we've had a lot of people ask, um, which some of this will probably be pretty rudimentary for you, but kind of go on what's in your vehicle kit, what's in your backpack, and then talk about preventative, whether it be altitude sickness, heat stroke, uh, you know, should when somebody should use um, that blood clot shit you know things like that we'll just kind of run through quick clot Mm -hmm. uh run through the whole you know gambit tracking easy so uh i guess starting off with like either a home or a vehicle uh kit what would you suggest for people to have in those so for most home kits you can actually just go down to your local walmarts as they say in oklahoma and uh pick up just a first aid kit so that's a bumpy ouchy stuff yeah you know just your your band-aids your gauze uh something to clean it up with uh, triple antibiotic for treating it afterwards. You can do, uh, there's, there's a lot of home remedies and things that you can look up online nowadays and you can get on the line, as I say, and, uh, and 
those things are great. I mean, those little packs, you can just buy them. They're a one-stop shop. You got it all right there. It's kind of typically, you know, I've seen the uh, the yellow box that says first aid across it. That's for home. Yeah. All right. For your vehicle kit, you need something that you can bug out with. Mm-hmm. You need something, something in a pack that you can move out with. Uh, you know, with at Fieldcraft, we, we sell all these things online. You can, you can get them there, but you can honestly, you can just find them. And I'm, I've already posted one on, uh, on my Instagram about that, on how to just do a bug-out kit for personal use in your vehicle. Mm-hmm. But there are multiple kits out there. So they're there. Um, the thing that you want to consider is what we call layering. So in combat, when we layer our weapon systems, we let you know, your M4 and then down to your pistol, down to your knife, down to your hands. Same thing with medical. The things that you're going to need most accessible in an emergency are obviously your tourniquet right in the middle, right, on your kit in the center of your body because you don't know which arm you're going to get blown off any moment. Um, and then uh, you layer backwards, so the things that are less likely to kill you. There's a saying that I use called, all bleeding eventually stops. Mm-hmm. And you've got to dictate what's going to happen there, with, whether you're, you know, if you're incoherent, you can't make a decision. But if you're awake and alert and you're watching blood spurting out, that's probably time to do some direct pressure in a tourniquet. Yeah. Okay. So we don't typically see that in, in the home, but uh, I would still recommend to have a tourniquet. There's there's people cutting a lawn that'll you know end up cutting a leg, especially in the ranching industry. Yeah. All kinds of farm implements are tearing people apart, and I take care of them. Used to when I worked in rural uh, Oklahoma and Texas in the ER, those are the things we'd see. And you can't get to the hospital, or even nine one one can't get to you. There you go. You 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 are your first. Yeah, you're your first responder. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So when you talk about like um, the the home, uh, well, we'll skip the home kit for now because that's easier, but the the vehicle kit. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, looking through kind of what I had in my vehicle and then what you guys sent out, I looked at that. So for me, I had gauze, I had quick clot, uh, I had a tourniquet, I had a suture kit, which honestly my suture kit is used predominantly for field repair on gear. Mm Mm-hmm. Works yeah, good yeah. for that. It sure but does. I've got it. Um, so does the vice versa. Mm-hmm. You, you can use gear kit if you're in a pinch. Yeah. To fix uh, humans. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I've I've used. Um, uh, we have like tenacious tape and certain things yeah. for like air pads and shit. Uh, you know, when you're fucked up, you'll find a way. I mean, right? If you have a uh, enough medical experience and, and common sense, if you can. I guess yeah. that's Frankenized motto. We'll figure it out, right? Yeah. We, you know, you can make a tourniquet fairly easy enough. Um, the like uh, burns, the tourniquet. Um, like, what would you put in the kit? Like, obviously okay. a tourniquet, but pills. Uh, would you put quick clot in? Like, and, and when would you use like the quick clot? I've always tried to stay away from it because initially I had seen it put on um soldiers and and it burns the skin correct quite a bit did yeah it did not anymore so it's changed now okay it's changed and that was a powder originally Mm -hmm. and it had an exothermic reaction got real hot yeah and then if you had a chopper come in it was windy and that stuff got in your eyes yeah you're hurting for certain so we got away from that went to the uh the gauze the packable kind but before we get to quick clot we'll look at you know the most commons and we'll look at what do we carry in in an individual first aid kit now Mm -hmm. that's your just your smaller um on my person, I'm bugging out or I'm bugging out. I'm in combat and this is on me. So if somebody comes up to me and says they got to help me, they got to grab my kit and get into it. So I'm looking at a tourniquet, which is the current one is the Cat 7. Mm-hmm. You can use a soft T, which are out there. You can find those. Um, you're going to need uh, some kind of packing material. 
something that you can put uh, that you can wrap with once that packing material is on there. And if the bleed is bad enough and you, you're looking at a pool of blood and it keeps pulling up in this little thing that you're trying to stop with your hand and it's coming through your fingers, uh, that's the gauge that I use. It's coming through my fingers. I'm still putting pressure on there. Now I got to slip underneath that while I'm maintaining that pressure. You think about everything's going north towards your heart. Mm-hmm. So that pressure will be towards the north side, towards your heart keeping that pressure and kind of staving that off until you can stop that from coming through. Now, you've got enough pressure with your hand, start pushing it. Then you go ahead and open up that quick clot gauze. It's impregnated with quick clot. It's not exothermic. It doesn't get hot. And start packing that down in there. There's a whole system of this. This isn't something I can tell you verbally, but but there are YouTube videos. There's things about yeah. this. There's training online with uh, we're going to be putting out some videos with us at Fieldcraft. So how to do this stuff. But there's other people who do a great job. There's you know, medicine is an art. There's a lot of ways to do it, but all bleeding eventually stops. We just get back to that. Yeah. Well, and, and I think when you say that, that also could mean you're, you die. Uh, right. <laughs> so, yeah. You either yeah. exsanguinate, which is yeah. bleed out <laughs> yeah. or you, uh, stop the bleeding. Well, I've had people message me cause we've cut ourselves and it's, you know, same yeah. thing, apply pressure, throw some tape on it and you're good. You know, never, none of them are, I've never had a cut bad enough to where I'm like, fuck. All right. We, we got to get this guy out. And cause when you put a tourniquet on, if, if it's on, you lose, you lose the limb if it's on long enough. Is that correct? Absolutely. If it's long, long, on long enough, but you got to think, okay, but I got to make it to the hospital to be able to do this. Now, there are, there are surgical procedures that the orthopedic guys do that they'll put a tourniquet on for hours, yeah. but they have the luxury of being in a surgical suite. Yeah. The average person, like, you have five liters circulating in your body at any given time. Okay? Yeah. You can lose, take, think about a liter and just pour it on the ground. It looks like a lot. Yeah. You're going to be fine. But it looks like a lot. Yeah. Like, oh my God. So it's 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 always worse the person that hasn't been in that world. So Levi, a friend of ours, uh, Morgan, he's I guess probably not even argue best archer that ever ever carried a bow. He was elk hunting and he stabbed himself in the leg. Well, they didn't know what they were doing and they couldn't again couldn't get the blood to stop coming through the finger. So they're panicking that he hit an artery. Well, it wasn't shooting out, right? It was just bleeding profusely. Yeah. yeah. Well, they put a tourniquet on him, and luckily they were too dumb to do it correctly. Because oh, no. I'm like, he said, yeah, it kept coming loose. And I was like, well, you should be happy it did. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm not a fucking doctor, right? But if you would have left it on that entire time and had it that tight, you had a good chance of losing that limb, but it kept coming loose because they didn't know. Is For that- a needless tourniquet, let's say, at this point, if, if it's needless, if that's what yeah. we're saying. Yeah. Okay, so if it's if it's not necessary, then there's no reason to do damage to the tissue or the nerves underneath. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with a nerve injury in my arm right now, and it hurts like hell. Yeah. When you put a tourniquet on, it hurts, number one. Yeah. I've had one on myself in combat. And it... And he it, said that multiple times yeah. when he t- <laughs> he was <laughs> yeah. like it was more painful than if anything. You're I'd doing been. it right, it hurts. Yeah. So you got to really get comfortable with this stuff. But who's really comfortable with this stuff when it's them? Yeah. And you're out there, and you know what's uh, what's the most common? Well, for you, bow hunting. What's the most common injury other than falling out of stands when you're not yeah, you're strapped cliffs, in? But yeah, broadheads and knives. There you um, go. Yep, those two. So n- majority of those wounds can be taken care of with a steri strip. Yeah. Okay. For the majority, steri strip and some tincture of benzoin. You can buy that stuff at a pharmacy over the counter, and you can put that that tincture on. It sticks, and that steri strip will hold together even that little wound on your hand. Yeah. And so with this, what I was I was gonna do other than the placement was steri strip and, and glue. Right. Um, the hell's that glue we have? The purple shit. It's surgical yeah. glue. Yeah. It's, it's um, surgical. But it was so wide. I'm like. I don't know if that fucker's going to heal, right? But I think it probably over time, if I wasn't shooting all the time, probably would have healed without stitches. Um, 
in in their case, and I'm only using Levi because it's a very good example. Um, I've put when I it's not a tourniquet. I have rigged up with 550 cord, looking like a tourniquet and a stick because I was too lazy to hold pressure on. So I didn't crank it so fucking tight I lost uh, blood flow. I just cranked it enough to where it held it in place to stop bleeding. Is that a bad idea? Well, if you if you don't really need a tourniquet, then you don't really need that because that's just stopping the blood flow that's going, you know, the, the venous blood flow and not the arterial. It's not deep enough. So if you think about a tourniquet, it has to be wide enough to create a cone of force underneath it. If you could imagine, you know, a tourniquet being two inches wide. Yeah. Okay. That cone of force is like a little little triangle going down towards that bone, which is what you're trying to, to do is use that bone on the backside to short up mm-hmm. and on the outside to circumferentially equally around pressure not just one part do that so it's tough to do that with 550 you can but i don't think you're going to achieve the same cone of force gotcha and what i did and this was just basically i I had cut the shit out of my arm and i was i didn't want to hold it forever so i put three wraps around perfect and then on that wrap i took a flat piece of bark to put distribute the pressure Mm. accordingly and then i when i twisted it i took one end and tied it off one way the other end tied it off the other the helicopter blade basically right uh mostly i didn't want to keep fucking holding it i know that's stupid but it worked Um, stop the bleeding and yeah you know what if you're if your coagulation your the way that your body just you know clots off and stops but if you if you're normal and you're not taking blood thinner think of some of your older hunters that maybe have some kind of heart thing they got to take a blood thinner or an aspirin a day yeah it takes a little bit longer for that time yeah. More than three minutes. It might be 10 minutes before that bleed stops. Now, will ibuprofen and things like that, I, you know, people always tell me that thins out the blood. Will it that can. cause um, more bleeding, I guess, from things like that? It can. Not as much as aspirin. Aspirin's the number one, like, a lot of guys are on it, and you get in their yeah. 50s and stuff. I'm in my 50s. I take an aspirin a day. Yeah, I just I'm not took in combat two. anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I took two. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I... um. You, the things what I what I worry about is some of the dumbass advice I've given out or or told in a story in the past six seven years of podcasting, which is <laughs> bad advice. So I'm 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 throwing that to you to say Absolutely. don't don't do what Snyder did. Um, yeah, don't do what Snyder did. <laughs> we like I guess in eighteen, uh, I fucked myself up twice. I. Uh, Cut your hand with your with your clicker. There's a, a thing called a clicker on my bow, and nothing major. But I, I yeah. cut that, and that was just saying I took the benzoil, whatever the shit is, wiped yeah. it, and put some fucking tape on it, and walked away. There well, then I, what's that shit called uh, hogweed? Oh, so yeah. there's some kind of weed. It inflames your. It it gave me giant like blisters on my hand. I didn't know. I just thought I had some kind of a heat rash, and then I'm on the <laughs> spotter. Well, UV rays, I guess, make it worse, and yeah. so. Yeah. You didn't see me for a while when you saw it. You said my hands look like Deadpool's face. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) with that, it was an unknown where I, I didn't know. I just kept hunting. It wasn't that big of a deal, but they were fucked up. I mean, I was getting these, I mean, blisters like maybe quarters. When somebody off the wall, uh, you know, in my case, I just tried to wash my hands, which isn't easy. There's a lot of water. When you get to, and this isn't a great example because it's a hand and just a rash, but certain things when's it time to to cut sling load like when when what is your advice for guys because i've had people walk out 
And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You hiked out because of that? Um, and other oh, guys. Okay. Yeah, I'm tracking. Um, yeah, there are certain things. And, it, and a lot of this is, you know, we, when we do an operation anywhere in the world, it doesn't matter from the deserts of Africa to the highest mountains in Afghanistan or in Pakistan. You have to consider before you go, you're planning. Like, you got to think about where am I going? I'm going to New Zealand, getting up high in the mountains to go after some kind of ram or something. I got to think, what are the things that could possibly happen to me there? And the, what are the things I got to prepare for? And am I physically capable of doing this stuff? Right. You know, Cause that's, that's huge. I mean, you can't get yourself in and out and what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but preparing for that stuff is, uh, is what I call left a bang. The bang being like an ID, something mm -hmm. that blows you up and on a linear scale, staying left of it. You don't want to get blown up. So you do things to prep for not that not happening to you. This is a mindset thing, and this is one of the things I, I, I'm heavy on on my Instagram is mindset, combat, or anything. Anxiety. People, you know, right now, especially during COVID, everybody's scared of going outside. Yeah. They look at you at Walmarts, and they're like, he don't have a mask on. Look at him. Yeah, you know? we get that a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck that mask. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's just what are the things that could possibly happen and backward plan from there, okay? okay? And then have the things in your kit to be able to do that. So when do I cut sling load? If I see somebody that's looking like they haven't acclimatized to heat or, you know, I did a shooting competition in northern Utah where it was a 24-hour challenge and we're wearing our, our rucks and we're going, you know, 75-pound rucks. We're going 24 hours and it was in the summertime. It was 90 degrees. And even me, I'm like drinking too much water because I'm not paying attention, but I'm not doing enough salt. Yeah. So you got to keep up with that because otherwise you get this crazy thing called dilutional hyponatremia, which is dil diluting your, your – uh, Water on the brain, basically, isn't it? Is what they some well, people call it. No, it, it's not necessarily that it can. I mean, get to that point. Yeah, you start getting to the heat stroke and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. But what I'm talking about is just your ability to to maintain your electrolytes. Mm -hmm. So you're going to put some oral rehydration salts in your in your stuff and maintain that. But when you run out of that and you're just drinking water and you're sweating like a pig, you can. Here's a here's an example. When I go down range and I look at a guy and we're talking about heat. And I look at his T-shirt after we're done with the operation. He takes it off, and he's got salt rings in his T-shirt. Yeah. He's not acclimatized to that heat yet. It takes okay. about 30 days of uh, pretty, not vigorous, but 20, 30 today, uh, minutes a day of exercise to, to get rid of that where you're not throwing all your salt out of your body. Gotcha. Okay. Then about 30, 40 days in, everybody's been out in the heat, you won't see those salt rings anymore because gotcha. they're not throwing it out. They're maintaining it. It's just kind of an indicator you can use for yourself. So we use, um, I guess, Pedialyte, Liquid IV, just yeah. drink mix. Um, one of the things, and we've talked about issues we've had with other friends that have maybe not stayed hydrated, no food, right, and they start to get delirious. One of the things, like, our medics would do in training is just cognitive uh, activity, you know, and uh, touch your fingers. They start giving us math problems. Where are you from? Is that good things to do with your buddy? Just say, hey, what's your mom's maiden name when they seem kind of fucked up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you can do that if you know your their mom's maiden name. Yeah. I mean, that'll, that'll help you. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> hey, your mom. Smith, shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was talking to your mom last night. Um, but, but honestly, there are cognitive things you do. And, and we typically just like, hey, do you know what today is? Do you know who the president is? Do you know, you know. Had uh, to bring that shit up. Uh, we did have to bring that up. <laughs> oh, dang it. You know, we can get, we can go down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. Uh, but just, just watching your buddy, knowing their their baseline. Okay, we don't have to get all medical. We can just say, what's their baseline? If they're just a jovial, funny guy and all of a sudden they're getting serious, you've probably been there when you were packing out, Frank, mm -hmm. you know, with your uh, uh, starting to feel this like, okay. I'm, I'm breathing funny. I'm hacking this stuff up. And then I'm not thinking straight. And right. I've been there. Yeah. Heck, I, I, you need out of a, a certain country in Africa one time and 
near the Sahara Desert and nearly went down. I'm by myself trying to get out after a uh, plane went down. You know what? I knew myself, but who's there for me? Nobody. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. so, Doc, how you doing? Yeah. Not bad, Doc. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah well, you know, I I'm almost got hot. to that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but that's it. Know the baseline, look at them, and say, hey, you know what? might be time for us to come down. Or if you're a high altitude, let's look at that one. Because as you know, you can get above certain levels. What, what, where were you at, Frank, on your? 12.5-ish. Mm, okay. 12, 12, so you're getting in that zone. Yeah. yeah, when you start getting up into the 10s and definitely 14s and mm-hmm. you know, other places, and I've been in those in Nepal and all that. Well, matter of fact, with Tyr, that was a great trip. Yeah. I'll talk about his banana hammock sometime. But uh, <laughs> Tyr, if you're listening, sorry, bro. Yeah. I know it was OPSEC. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where you got to know yourself, right? Sun Tzu. This is Sun Tzu, art of war stuff. Know yourself and know the enemy, and you know the outcome of a thousand battles. Yeah. Okay, so if you don't know yourself and you don't know your limitations, you can end up hurting yourself. But if you don't know your buddy, where his normal baseline is, then you don't really know what to do, but you should, and you start picking that up, and you say, hey, get rid of the false bravado. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, we all want to man up. I got it. Yeah. But that's when you start thinking, I got to cut swing load and exfil this uh, this operation, or I'm going to have to come go down a little bit. You know, when I say work high, sleep sleep low on high altitude stuff for uh, altitude mountain sickness and things like that. So in case, like, this is, um, to bring up two scenarios just with Frank and I, um, in 18 on that mule deer hunt, uh we came out because uh, I suck as a hunter. I didn't kill anyone. We had to hike back in. When we hiked back in, I think it was we ate way too much. Now, keep in mind, what are we, 13 days? Yeah, on the first trip. On the first trip. Yeah, 13, 14 You know, days. a backpack cool. trip, uh, dehydrating ourselves. Mm-hmm. and altitude. Anyway, so we come back. Of course, we eat a bunch of shitty food. Um, I think it was the sushi that did you in. Um, we hike back in. And, and now, keep in mind, uh, when you say no— He's he's a, one of the toughest individuals I've ever met, and mm-hmm. and there's no Frank doesn't have any bravado where he's just fucking tough. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd never seen him complain, and his fucking stomach. He's like, I could just see he was off, right. and it was right in his appendix area. And me not being a doctor, I'm like, I think I even said, dude, if your appendix bursts, we're gonna have to hit the beacon. Like I don't, you'll die. And he's like, and I was thinking. I think you, you know, like, fuck, do I get on Google? I'm like, I'm pretty fucking sure if your appendix bursts, you can die. And Affirmative. Yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> well, knowing Frank doesn't complain, we, I think we spotted some deer. Yeah. And you stayed in the tent. Storm came in. Stor- yeah, storm came in, and, and I got out after the storm, and you you laid down for a little bit. And at that point, I'm like, he's fucked up. Like, he's, that's just not like Frank. Well, you did waddle your ass out of the tent, but I could see when you were sitting there, you were still... What was your pain threshold from one to ten? Because it seemed pretty wow, close it was to pretty ten. Pretty high up there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> eight or something. I don't know. Okay. So, yeah. turned out he just ate a bunch of sushi and needed to take a big shit, but it had <laughs> wadded in his intestines, I guess, to yeah. a point where, I mean, you were in. I, you, he wasn't complaining. I could just see he. Well, when I, I shot, I shot a buck that day, mm-hmm. and he made it over to me. But I could see when you got there, he just sat down, and I'm like, okay, he's not complaining, but he's, right. he's in fucking pain. Because I'm like, hey, I'll take care of the deer. Normally, Frank, like, no, I'll give you a hand. He just sat there. So I'm like, so how long did that take to go away? Fuck, I don't remember. <laughs> it, it wasn't good, yeah. It's probably just a combination of, of that sticky rice and sushi and no water. And Well, the, I, I killed a deer on the first trip, and we um, – we were eating dehydrated food up until that point, and then we killed the deer, and then we we were cooking a bunch of 
of deer meat on a, we on ate a raw, about half but it was like raw. Beer. Yeah, it was raw. It was, it was fairly raw, <laughs> rare meat. So I don't think that was digesting well. And then we go back to town and we're eating shit. So, so there, there's this thing we call the differential diagnosis, which is a list of things that could possibly be. And I think we're somewhere about fifty at this point <laughs> with all the, the possibilities that this is. But then there's the most commons. Yeah, the most common. You know, for that, I'm probably going to think that's going to be a diet-related issue. Uh, obviously, it wasn't appendicitis. You know, I, I can spot those a mile away. Working ER for 20 years. Uh, well, I couldn't, and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck! I don't want Frank to die." It's like, should we? Should we? Well, that's what I say when cutting sling low. Like, yeah. should we? Should we hike out? And did I say at one point, if your appendix bursts, we're gonna have to hit the yeah, beacon? Yeah. You're like, do you want to go? I'm like, ah, I don't know. I don't think it's that serious, but it fucking hurts. <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing good. is, is I can physically carry quite a bit mm -hmm. but i'm like thinking okay if i got to carry his ass out we're like seven eight nine miles in i'm gonna have to leave my ruck then i'm mm -hmm. not gonna have anything and if something goes wrong yeah. i'm gonna have to throw my my in reach in my pocket and say fuck it and come back in you know this is going through my mind of course then i saw a deer and kind of forgot about frank um <laughs> yeah, he was all right no. <laughs> but i i had um in, in my mind kind of like okay to a point when frank says we've got to go He's tough enough. That may mean when he says we got to go back, we got to hit the beacon. Because if he's saying we got to go back, and we, it ended up you were in pain the entire time, but you instantly probably took a big poop and everything was okay. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember when it got better, but it was probably after the hunt. What altitude were you at? Fucking high. Same. Close same to about, thirteen. Yeah, 12, okay, 12, so yeah, there's okay. probably a lot of you know. It's a, we call it the FOS is full of shit. Yeah, and then uh, behind that is all this bowel that's got. You know, air in it <laughs> and the only thing that hurts the bowel like i can like take a knife and put through your bowel now it's going to hurt through the skin but once we get there you can't feel that like oh. there's no pain sensors but there's pressure sensors mm. so all that pressure in there hurts and as it gets bigger and bigger there there are issues and you know constipation hurts i mean yeah it just hurts uh just depending on where it is in the bowel and if it's down on the right that's you know ascending colon coming back around so mm. that that makes sense and it could be masked or, or uh, in the differential, yeah, the uh, appendicitis is in there. But I'm, I'm thinking that obviously we just hindsight twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, when people, again, people, once you become a semi sphere of influence, people ask you all kinds of shit, thinking oh, yeah. you know everything. Yeah, well, I get it all the time. Yeah, well, <laughs> we know how to survive and kill shit. After that, we're pretty fucking stupid, right? So people are asking me medical stuff, and I'm like, I can get by, like I. I went to a class where they taught me how to give a tracheotomy, but I certainly wouldn't want me to give you one, right? I saw it once. Like, fuck, there's a lot of shit that I, I've... So here, here's the mindset that you all have that I recognize is the same mindset as my guys, okay? So I could probably take both of y'all, train you up for six months and put you through special forces training. Probably could do that, and you you do fine because you have that mindset. Because I've seen dudes that look like uh, they were, yeah. you know, tier one athletes in college, and they went to the Q course and they quit. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have the mindset, and that's what this... Per, you know, especially selection, that's what it's made for. So you have that non-quit, that don't quit, look for work uh, mentality, and you just get things done. And it doesn't matter how smart you are in that world, because I was a grunt. I was an 11 Bravo when I started all this. I, mean, I thought I was dumber than hell, and somebody said, hey, Pete, you can go to medical school. You're smart. <laughs> like, okay. You know, so, I mean, there I was. No shit. But that, that mindset is good mm -hmm. in the – positions that you might find yourself in anybody out here that does you know uh, extreme hunting getting out getting out way off the grid but it can be bad mm -hmm. because you you you're now your way out there 
Yeah. And the older you get, and I'm going to tell you this firsthand, there will be more of these things that are going to come along. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, at 56, I promise you I'm as good once as I ever was. Yeah. I may not be as good as I once was. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense. Probably the biggest crisis I had, um, well, I mean, other than cliffs and lightning and shit like that, I, I, uh, I didn't know I had a kidney stone. I was six miles in. I was solo. And I had killed a mule deer, packed it out, and I, I pissed a little blood. Um and when I say that, I couldn't really tell, but it hurt, and I'm assuming, you know, how that goes. So I just thought I was dehydrated. Well, I had kind of looped around after trying to kill the cell because almost like something knocked loose that dropped me to my knees. It, I, I looked like that dude on the Green Mile, Tom Hanks trying to piss in the yard, right? I'm like, what the fuck is it? I, I'm So now I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating, could I pass out from shock? And, I'm you know, uh, it, it's kind of snowing, and I'm like, okay, is this a level that – can I make it out? Now you're thinking much? hypothermia. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing. I'm like, well, many th- hypothermia, obviously you go two or three weeks without eating, but like, do I go back to my gear, load some of it up and hike out? Do I go back to my gear, stay the night? Um, or do I go back to my gear, pack up everything and get out? So I'm like, well, fuck, I don't think I can carry 50 pounds of shit out. Right. I can barely walk. And so I'm like, okay, take the bare necessities, and get the fuck out because something's majorly wrong because it hurt so bad. It was a pain that I hadn't really experienced for that long a time. And I'm like, am I going to pass out from fucking shock? Like I was getting cold sweats and shit. And so I'm like, okay, just suck it up, throw some shit in your pocket and get the fuck out and go as fast as you can. Cause I'd stop to pee. I'd have to hold a tree and then like a drip would come out. And then I'd like, okay, something's fucking wrong in there. And then I'm as horrible as this sounds. I'm like, how many chicks have I slept with and were they nasty? Like, do I have, you know, that was going through my mind, yeah. but I wasn't going to ask. That was the first thing the doctor asked. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, you should, well, I'm like, fuck up. So rewinding, I'm like, well, I didn't sleep with a fucking sheep. Right? I've been in the mountains for two weeks. I'm like, it couldn't be that. And I'm like, before that, I, so I'm thinking, okay, now nah, it's been quite a while since I've uh, could have potentially got an STD. So I'm like, well, it ain't fucking that. I still don't know what it is. I just know I can't pee and I'm in a lot of pain. Well, long story short, I, I get to a, um, well, I actually got pulled over cause I was speeding trying to get to the doctor and then the cops trying to make me get into an ambulance. And I'm like, dude, I'm paying for a fucking ambulance. I just hiked out six miles. I can make it. I'm not paying for an ambulance. Right. I pissed that kidney stone out at the, you tink tink. Like yeah. it looked like a chicka pin. Gold. Oh fuck. <laughs> it was like a little BB chicka pin thing. Yeah, it was small. Yeah. Well, the, the doctor tested my, when I first got there, um, my white blood cell yeah. count, I think, mm-hmm. and turns out it's a kidney stone, right? Um, well, what suggestions other than me just sucking it up and hopefully not dying? Should I have done anything different? Would I have been smarter to stay, do you think? I mean, obviously hindsight, but not no, knowing I made no, it No, because you don't know. And here's what we say you know, in, in the industry for medical side is, the kidney stone for a man mm-hmm. is the equivalent of having a baby. You're I don't want to have any kids anymore. Right? Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're, and you and you and you had a child. It was very small, and it was it was a glorious moment. Dad, what did yeah. you name it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> cocksucker. That hurt. Yeah, cocksucker. Yeah. <laughs> hey, little cocksucker. Hey, that's what my dad used to call me. But anyway, uh, what what? All right, here's the deal. You get outside and you're dehydrated. You're moving. You're walking, and, you, and you're already dehydrated. You're you're set up for that. Now, if you drink a lot of sodas and things like that, cokes, whatever, you know, that's going to be another setup for that. Uh, alcohol the night before you do any kind of operation like this, where you're out in the in the hinterlands, 
our guys don't drink before going operations. It's just, you know, many different reasons. Now, they may have, you know, and they, then they learn the hard way. But uh, when you set yourself up for that, or just some people have just the, the genetic that they're going to be that kidney stone builder. Yeah. All and right? So uh, in my case, um, before that, uh, a few I had uh, power lifted and took a lot of steroids, and I got up to about 280. And I was taking eight to 12,000 calories a day and 400 grams of protein and many other things. And, and, and the doctor had said, I know, right. All of those <laughs> things combined. If, and I'm genetically prone to kidney stones, There you go. he said, basically a lot of the things I was taking will help build kidney stones up. So I actually went to the doctor, to get my uh, gallbladder taken out. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, cause I, I have gallstones as well. So I'm make, mixing things up here. The kidney stone, the gallstone separate, but yeah. The gallstone is another problem, and that would be my second story of gallbladder. Well, the gallbladder you can get rid of naturally. I know I'm all fucked yeah. up. So <laughs> you can get rid of that naturally with apple cider vinegar. I did that, and they went away because they told me, hey, you might eat salmon and basically shit your pants after your gallbladder's out. Like people have adverse, and I'm yeah, like. Yeah, because it has to do with the fatty content of the food, and that's where it's processed, or that's what gets released from there to, to digest that. So, so the yeah. doctor's telling me this, and yeah. I'm like. So you're saying I can't eat salmon? He's like, well, I can't say that, but there are people that have had their gallbladder taken yeah, out yeah. that can't eat fatty food. And I'm like, well, fuck, I love salmon. Fuck that. So I got rid of them naturally. One of the things that, though, you talk about dehydration and all the different things, if I was at a hunting camp the last time I had an issue, um, 2017, they had a deep-fried pork chop. And I'd been dehydrated, and then I ate that pork chop high-fatty content. Right. And I could feel it coming. And I'm like, so what was different stories? Hilarious. So I unhooked the trailer at hunting camp. I drive into Townsend, Montana to the nurse knew our podcast. Right. And so I'm like, it's two in the morning. I'm like, I need fucking drugs and I need them now. Right, okay. yeah. And so she's looking at me. I'm like, I'm not a drug addict, but give me a drip, get me something, whatever. Yeah. And she recognized me and she was super cool. And I'm like, just make it go away. But I didn't want to be a pussy, but I'm like, can you, just make the pain stop. Right. Told her what the issue was. She did a wanded it, whatever ultrasound. Ultrasound. Yeah. She's yeah. like, yeah, you've got you know two kidney stones and uh, or two gallstones. And one of the things that I've noticed is I'm telling these stories. It's the weird shit that catches people. Like uh -huh. I would have never a knife. I always prep for knife wounds, right? Or or, or you know say that uh -huh. uh, when you're skinning on an animal. Um, dehydration. Okay. Well, I never fucking imagined I'd be pissing out stones and have kidney stones uh -huh. uh, and gallstones. What is your best suggestion for those types of the kidney stone, the gallstone, things that you're just not prepared for, appendicitis? What are things people should look for? I know it's kind of an odd question, but no, that one threw me off because I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, it's it's the you know that gets into the category. If you hear, and this is an Oklahoma thing, but I'm it's it's Pete thing, it's Doc thing. Is he, if you hear hoofbeats, you don't think about zebras unless you're in Africa. You think of horses. So yeah. think of your most common thing. All right. So if I'm somebody that has a history of uh, kidney stones, or I know I have gall gallbladder problems. I'm probably not going to get myself way in there and get get out, get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to have good comms set up because you get to places like Montana where I was up, you know, with the field craft last, last fall, and there's no cell signal mm -hmm. at all. So think about carrying a sat phone with you. Yeah. With pre-programmed 
not just 911, 911, but but the, the the ER or the the flight crews, they're they're they'll come and pick you up if you have to. You get way out there, so you got to think about that exfil piece too. I did none of that. Okay, go ahead. yeah, there you go. <laughs> so uh, this is this is like okay, cool. So yeah. we can we can work on that. But uh, but I'm just telling you that you cannot plan for those zebras. Yeah, you cannot plan for them because you don't know if you're going to get an appendicitis. You just hope that you have one when you're seven years old, like me, and got it out, and that's one less part I got to worry about. Yeah, you know, it's just a, a non-essential item. But, uh, but if you are there, the thing that's going to take your mind out of the game, the survival game, because we're just talking about living right now, mm-hmm. the thing that's going to take your mind out of that survival game is your pain threshold, your mm-hmm. ability to, to maintain that. And you're going to get to, everybody has a point. I got, I've been at a point where I'm like hurting so bad that I'm like, just get rid of this pain. Yeah. You know, and that, and you've been there, you're sweating and you're, and you're feeling that it's, I've got to have something to mitigate that pain. So the best that you can do without carrying ketamine with you, which is going to knock you out and you're not going to move or, or, uh, propofol or any of these medications that people take, you know, not, not, these are all prescription things, but that can, that can stop that pain from going away is what we call a combat pill pack. Mm-hmm. It contains three things. You can get your doctor to write this for you. And you can keep this combat pill pack in your kit. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of them's called Mobic, Meloxicam, and it's M-O-B-I-C, Mobic. Ask your doc, say, can I get some of those? Mm-hmm. It's a non-narcotic. It's a uh, cyclooxygenase 2 inhibitor. Basically, it is, it is what you want to have because it's once a day, and it's a small item because you're thinking about ounces make pounds, mm-hmm. ounces make pounds. So I can't carry a lot of stuff, but I can carry this in a little Ziploc. That's number one. Number two, Tylenol Extra Strength. Okay, with that, they work synergistically together. To, to at least get as close as you can to a narcotic, but because you can't carry those or unless you can get a doctor write you for some oxy, you're probably not going to have That's it. what I did. Yeah. yeah. And you can. You <laughs> yeah. can. I mean, I would. If so, you, you came to me and said, I got this history doc, I'm fixing to go out to Montana. Yeah, I'm going to give you that. I, well, and I have uh, friends that are doctors that know I'm not a drug addict. Right. And so they're very, There's we just trust. had. Yeah, you have a trust. After we cut my, the hand and whatever, we had a bunch of doctors send all kinds of shit to us. So. Yeah. My main concern, which is what you're talking about after these couple incidents, was just pain. Because I'm like, if I can dull the pain, I can make it out, right? Like I, you know, so so that dulls the pain. Then before we get to the next thing, I want to say just the last thing of the three is an antibiotic. Because if you get a puncture wound, let's say something in your bowel, mm-hmm. the sooner you can get that antibiotic on board, which we use gatafloxacin, but you can use a broad spectrum. It, it covers a lot of things. You take that antibiotic. Mm-hmm you're ahead of the game for things that are going to sepsis and things that could kill could you later. Kill. Okay. So those are the three things that are in there that's in the combat pill pack. So with the antibiotic, usually what I do is either at the dentist or whatever, I just say, hey, can I get some antibiotics? I travel and they've never had an issue because I don't abuse antibiotics. Um, so I keep antibiotics. I have an antibiotic for uh, cryptosporidium or giardia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never have taken it. I've had it twice. Cipro I, or flagell? Flagell. Don't, don't drink with that, by the way. Well, I just, the doctor gave <laughs> me the explanation of it, and I'm like, I think I'll just keep shitting my pants. That sounds fucking horrible because they said it basically nukes your system and you get bad breath and all kinds of other shit. And I've gotten rid of Giardia every time I've got it naturally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I carry antibiotics now and then Oxycontin or Percocet um, for what you're talking about. Because honestly, if Frank fucks himself up so bad that I can't fix them or carry them out, I'm, I'm hitting the beacon, right? Somebody's mm-hmm. coming in, but if I can make it out and not hit the beacon, and I know in the case of like, um, you know, the gallbladder, 
you know, am I going to die? Is it, I don't know, but I, I've had it three gallbladder attacks where now I, I've gotten rid of them where my thing is, okay, I just need something to dull the pain to get through the night or to get the fuck out, right? People have asked me, and I guess, uh, what do they say, the fine line between hard ass and dumb ass? You know, when do you... Work smarter, you, not harder. Yeah, when do you pick to, to like I said, pop smoke, get the mm-hmm. fuck out? Mm-hmm. It sounds like what you're saying is basically judge yourself off your own pain tolerance and, and, and kind of assess and, and base it off of that. Is that you, you got to Okay. In those situations, you got to move. I mean, getting places is, is key. Getting out is key. That's survival. Yeah. One oh one, And mindset is the baseline for that because you, you, if you don't have a plan, you know, hope is not a plan. Yeah. You know, I sure hope this goes away. Well, it's <laughs> not a plan. That's where you it know? was on the first issue. I had yeah, was right? hope, I hope this stops. But, but it, you know, here's the deal. Good judgment comes from experience. Unfortunately, most of that comes from jet, bad judgment. Yeah. You know, so we, we, we should I, make I, a t-shirt I, out of that thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's just a, a fact. It's my, it's my life. I mean, that's how I've ended up where I'm at. It's just making bad decisions. And then I end up, you know, figuring out, don't do that again. You know, so that's, uh, these are all learning points. So, yeah, getting getting off the X, so to speak. This is not combat, but it is combat when you're surviving your for your life, mm-hmm. uh, or fighting for your life. That that's a those decision points. That's a decision point. We call them decision point. That's where do I go left or do I go right or I go back? Yeah, you know, and that's it's uh, it's a good question. So speaking of decision points, getting off of crazy shit like gallbladders, <laughs> uh, heat stroke, okay. um, both yeah. preventative and, and treatment afterwards at a base level. Um, what to look for for because that's a big one, right? Mm-hmm. What to look for 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 heat stroke, and then and then what 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 to have your buddy do, and, and what to fix it if he gets it. Yeah, so heat stroke and exhaustion. Yeah, exhaustion, uh, and there are different levels. You know, these things don't just happen. You know, you don't just have heat stroke. You yeah. have you're just hot and sweaty. Yeah, right? and then you get into okay, I'm I'm a little bit uh, not delirious to the point of, but I'm a little bit where I can't think straight. Or you know, your buddy's baseline, he's not thinking straight, but you're in a hot climate, obviously, and you're moving, so you're. You're looking at that, but look at the way that you're dressed. Look at the layering of those kind of things, the, the, the lightness of your clothes. So the same way you think about layering for cold, you think about, you know, not, you know, things that, that can unzip under your armpits. Cause even, even in a mild climate, you can still get heat exhaustion from exertion. Mm-hmm. Look at your, your, um, your baseline physical fitness. That's, that's key critical to this stuff. How far am I going to push myself? I know that me personally, with a 75-pound with a ruck, I could do 12 miles in under three hours mm-hmm. on flat ground. I know what it is in, out, in altitude or, or at altitude or rough ground. you got to know these things about yourself. And then, then you can figure that out. But how far am I going to push myself today? What is my end state for today? Where am I going to get? Because if I go too far, I'm going to push myself too hard. Then I'm no good in the fight when I get there. Mm-hmm. And the fight for you is... A, is is sticking a deer. Yeah. Well, and I would say that's probably how you got. So and I'm saying this in a good way, but also reality. He's so fucking tough. He, he walks too fast and he didn't, you didn't pace yourself and basically walked your way into altitude sickness. Yeah, all probably after. overdid it. And I've been there, yeah. brother. Yeah. I, I've, been, <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Yeah. It, it sucks. You know, I got mm-hmm. on the, uh, uh, to the X, you know, to where I needed to be on an offset infill, offset infill being we land far away so they can't hear us. And we got to walk a long ways across and I'm the medical support for this operation and I've got to take care of people and I'm getting, you know, that yeah. carrying a lot of weight and then thinking about all the other factors that are going on, talking on comms and doing stuff. It, it gets overwhelming, but, uh, you, you got to know your limitations. And then also as a good, let's say you got a bunch of people you're, you're guiding, mm-hmm. you know, you're bike guiding, but you've got, you're basically the commander of that operation mm-hmm. or the team sergeant really, who really runs the operation. 
you are in charge of these people's lives at that point. Not in charge, but responsible. Yeah. And you got to look at them and, and identify based upon the conversation we had below the hill. We're up here. This guy's acting weird. Yeah. Is he going into that heat exhaustion zone, which then could ultimately end up in heat stroke, which is the worst case scenario because now you're you're pressing a red button. Yeah. So with heat exhaustion, what are some things to to look for or or, or assess on your buddy? Okay. Like, uh, what what do you want to like, what are some red flags? Looking at, at, at how much they sweat, first of all, at, at lower altitude or at, low, at the beginning of the, uh, of the deal. If they're just, just pouring sweat out, you're going, okay, wait a minute. This dude's like pouring this out. Mm-hmm. Okay. If, if they, and you can, you can ask them beforehand, hey, what's your level? Where are you at right now with this kind of stuff? Are you, you, so you, back of your mind, you know, it's like me knowing who's allergic to whatever or what their blood type is before I go in. It requires a little bit of pre-planning. Everybody thinks about medical last until it actually happens. Yeah. And it's just the, the nature of the beast because as a, as a nug, when I was a nug, I didn't know a thing about it. Yeah. And the only reason I was interested in is because I hurt myself so much that I was like, oh, I can do this medicine stuff. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> It's not that bad. It's yeah. not that bad. Well, my, my dad was a family doc, small town, so I, I already kind of had a, like, well, I kind of want to do that. Yeah. Um, but, but that's the stuff is just the, the baselines are key. Um, being able to identify that. So as we get towards exhaustion, it's watching the way somebody walks. You look at their gait, and you pay attention to gait. We pay attention to a lot of things. Is Are they picking up their feet? Are they moving as, as agile as they were before? Mm-hmm. Paying attention to them or, or to yourself because you got to know yourself once again, Sun Tzu. So I'm not moving as well as I was, and now I'm starting to not think straight, and now things are hazy. There's a haziness that comes on about you. It's just part of the deal. And then there's this cascade of things that happen as you start to worry about this stuff and start to release adrenaline in your body. And you're like, okay, now you're getting your heart rate up a little bit and you're not drinking right. You're not hydrating. So we, what we say in when we stop and we make a, a, a stop, we call it stop, look, listen, and smell. Like okay, everybody puts a fist up and we say, all right, and we pull a 360 and we pay attention is take a knee, face out, pull security and drink water. Change so, your socks and call home. And call home. <laughs> <laughs> and every time you stop and do that, you drink water, and your water has oral rehydration salts in it, and you're, you're maintaining that level because you've got to multitask this stuff. Every time we stop in an objective rally point, and we are now setting up our base camp, or not an objective rally point, but before that, we set up a base camp, and we put our rucks in a certain configuration, and we put out 360 security in a certain configuration, and we're like, okay, we're safe here, good. Let's go ahead and send somebody out and get some more water. So think about those things as you're going along the way because you can only carry so much water, right, because it weighs a lot. Well, that's one of the issues we have backpack hunting. Water. Absolutely. That, that's not one of the issues. That's the fucking And how issue. not to get Giardia or Cephalobacter or any other stuff that gets you. Yeah. And that part, I actually, I'm good on that. Um, just because, uh, you know, being, you know, you're out there yeah. long enough, right? But, uh, you know, and we've, we've covered a lot of that type of, of stuff. The one thing I have said that, like with Giardia, if you're in a survival situation, it takes a while to kick in. Fucking drink up, mm-hmm. right? If you're that, you can go two to three weeks without eating, you only go a couple of days without drinking. Absolutely right. And I'm like, if you're that in that deep of trouble, Giardia takes seven to 14 days to kick in, right? It can. Uh, it, and it really, there are other bugs out there. That's the thing to keep in mind. It's not just Giardia. Giardia is a bad one. There's no doubt. Giardia and crypto were the two. Crypto, I've had issues um, with. E. coli even in a well that's been tainted or, you know, always drink upstream of the herd. I mean, you know, it's yep. just where that stuff goes. And, uh, you know, you don't know sometimes. Yep. So you use a good filtration system. You might have to boil. You might have to do certain things to, to collect up that clean water. Yeah. Or, or use uh, what your iodine tablets. Yeah. And, and that, like, we're, luckily, we get the, 
most state-of-the-art yeah, filtration, sure, you know, all that shit. But yeah. the thing is, is I'm like, look, if you're out of everything, you just, and you find water. You got to at that point. Yeah, I'm like, it, whether, it looking clean doesn't matter. Just You can't see what's in the water. So, obviously, if it's stagnant, you can tell you're fucked. But, I mean, I'm like, just drink, get water in you, because, it, you know, the choice is shit your pants or the other choice is you're going to die because of dehydration. So, shitting your pants in seven to ten days isn't that big of a deal because at least you're alive to do it. Um, but... When uh, kind of going back on like the heat stroke, I've run into two hikers, I guess, in the last 20 years that have had right there at heat stroke where mm-hmm. literally I'm like, he's going to fucking die. Like they're going to start cooling. Yeah. So I packed his ass over to a creek and had him sip water. Now, again, I was going off like I've learned CPR like nine different fucking ways. Um, it changes constantly. So I'm going off of memory of, hmm. I think they can drink water, but I think they're supposed to do it slow. So I'm like, sip water, and I'm literally like uh, baptizing him, right? I'm, I'm dropping this dude in the water trying to get him to cool off. Because mm-hmm. when I touched him, I was like, holy fuck. He's, you know, I don't know what his temp was, but he was hot. Did I do the right thing? Yeah, because absolutely. Is that yeah. what you're supposed to do? You, you took him to a water source, obviously, key yeah. key, key component. <laughs> when, it, when these people get um, beyond heat exhaustion or even approaching, they get nauseated. Yeah. So too much water in their body is going to make them start vomiting, yeah. and then you're well, going to be more heat dehydrated on top of it. When I when I met up in this specific case, they said he had been vomiting up bile before I got there, and when they told me that, I was like, okay, so he's got nothing in his system, and what he did have, he got rid of, mm-hmm. and so I had electrolyte mix with me. I put that in, and I just had him sip, and then I I I hit the beacon uh, and said, look, because my knowledge base is pretty fucking low. So these guys were looking at me like I was you. And I'm like, yeah. I have a base level and I'm not panicking. That's the only reason yeah. I'm of any use here yeah. because they were freaking out. And I'm like, yeah, he's fucked up. Give me a minute. Get out of his, get out of the way. And they were like, what? And I'm like, cause they're all over the top of them. And I'm like, you're freaking me the fuck out. Get back. Well, without knowing it, you are basically the, the subject matter matter expert in that situation. I mean, because of your experiences, which means you're in fucking trouble. If <laughs> I am, you're going to fucking die. Yeah. Uh, so, well, and then I'm again, you, you know, everything's fine until it's not. So I'm like, okay, I think I'm supposed to cool him off. Right. And yeah, then, so yeah. I, I did that and I'm like, he's supposed to sip water, elevated his head and his feet. And I'm like, okay, that's about it. That's all I got. Right. And so I, I hit the beat. Well, I call that a sap phone. Yeah. And, like rocky mountain the local team they brought in horses and they were like their job yeah so for me one of the things that you know being at i was at uh, 10th mountain division calling in a blackhawks easy right Mm -hmm. we learned that basically like you tie your shoes and i'm like i look around and i'm like well worst case scenario fucking blackhawk i'll set up an inverted y we'll land that fucker right over there and they're like is he that bad and i'm like maybe i shouldn't have brought the blackhawk up because that made them panic more um you know the Pete, they're, they're his family, right? Because they're like, oh, my God, is he going to die? And I'm like, well, look, lady, I don't know how long the horse is. I don't, you know, I don't know shit about the Rocky Mountain fucking rescue. I don't know how long it's going to take to get him in. Um, you and, erred on the right side on that one. Yeah. 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 Because well, you didn't know. You didn't know. And, it, and it, yeah, truly, they can die. So, and in, in one of the reasons, which is, I mean, I carry a, which is, being in the Northwest Territories, you deal with helicopters a lot. Above and beyond the Army, right? I mean, 10th Mountain Division's an air assault unit. Landing an R-44 uh, or any helicopter, you got to worry about the tail rudder. So one of the things that I learned from a guy up there, he carried an ice axe walking stick to trim out the willows 
clear out the tail for the tail rotor. Mm-hmm. Carry that thing a lot. Now we've never. Well, I called in a Blackhawk actually in Arizona for illegals. Okay. <laughs> um, different story. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I can land this helicopter here, no problem. I'll just call in a ten-digit grid. I'll drop them right here. No wind, super easy. Won't yeah. even need me to flag him because I'll probably fuck that up anyway. It, my my thing was when do I call right? Like right. I don't have enough. We had two guys die in basic training from water on the brain. Uh, they just smoked the shit out of us and said, start pouring down canteens. Well, they flushed all the electrolytes out of yeah. the system. And I think they called that water on the brain. Is that kind of what that is? That's, we don't call it that anymore. That may have been back then, but. Uh, I probably made that shit yeah, up. Honestly. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know that terminology, but I'm going to say that, that. I like that, it. <laughs> that, <laughs> that it sounds pretty good. Um, but it, it honestly is, it, it's, you diluted them down to where their electrolytes are no good. Yeah. You know, that what they have in their body, because they've already sweated out, is not in their system. They needed IVs. They needed, you know, oral rehydration. You can actually give it rectally. That's another story we can talk about later. But, uh, <laughs> right. I'll, I'll give pass. it to you rectally. Yeah. No. <laughs> I will pass on that one. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a point at which you, when you've exhausted everything that you can do up to what you know, yeah, and you go, time is of the essence, yeah. then I'm going to err on that side and get them out as quickly as I can if I have that resource. But if I can't and it's horseback, then it's horseback. Yeah, and I just kind of figured in this certain scenario, okay, the response time, I'm like, fuck, I need to learn more about what their response time is. Mm-hmm. Like, it is as unlikely as it is for me to need to call Rocky Mountain Rescue or whatever they're called, right. I probably could find out, okay. Prior to the mission. Yeah, <laughs> which I've never done, which I should. Um, so I did after at that mm-hmm. point, like, okay, where's the nearest rescue, you know, whatever. When I, I elevated his feet, I elevated his head, I had him sip water, and then I would take him back and forth to the creek to cool him off. Keep that, in the shade, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah, and um, I actually set up a super tarp to put him under yeah. uh, just to get him in the shade. Those type of things, it sounds like that I didn't fuck up too much, pretty close. Not at all. You did perfect. So, is you did anything, good, son. It's my <laughs> grandpa used to say, you did good, son. Is there anything, basically just electrolyte mix, that you should have in your pack? Um, yeah, the— Climatization and—, and that kind of stuff, like or acclimating well, to the area. Yeah, that. yeah. Obviously, if they're if they're already acclimated, you're 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 doing better. That you've maximized all your resources. But sometimes when you're guiding, I don't think that you can really say. You know, I've I've got a buddy that guides back home in Oklahoma, and some of the people that show up shouldn't even walk twenty yards. You know, yep, that happens a lot. Yep. <laughs> it happens, but they're paying you money to be there, and it's an experience more for them than it is anything else. Truly, yeah. Uh, in, in our world, hunting hogs and and whitetails, but. Uh, and then in striper fishing on the on Lake Texoma, but uh, you got to look at them and say, bro, hey, listen, we're fixing to go into the fall bottom down here, and you're going to be in some serious swamp. And do you really think you can handle this? And give them all you know the expectation management. But then, because he knows that area, he knows what the response times are. But for you, when you're in a new area, it's it's going to be one of those things where you know getting those numbers on your sat phone, having them ready, talking to them. You know, I I do that because that's my job, you right? Know, and I coordinate these things, but. I know all that stuff because it's it's my job. Yeah. But it does help. Fr- Frank, I, I guess, what would you say is our biggest risk with what we do? I think Top it was three, the, the cutting. When I think I see that more than anything each year on social media, at least with our friends and people that we know. It's, mm-hmm. They cut themselves with, an, with those super sharp knives, their scalpel blades, basically. Yeah. Um, bro- right, so that's, broken bones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think thing. that's that's pretty common. So you can look at the SAM splints. You probably have those and they're light and they're easy to pack and you can put them flat against your back and they actually add more padding to your ruck, you know, sometimes. Um, 
So the Sam splints are key, and there Sam has done a really good job of the company of putting out videos on exactly how to use them, pay attention to how to do it. But it's Boy Scout stuff. It's not that hard, you know. Uh, I, on I, I rigged the last one up with sticks. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, how we've talked about this, and then you probably said it, if, if you're that fucked up that I can't figure it out of what's in my pack and some basic things, you are well beyond my level of skill, and 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 I don't know, Frank. I don't even know your background, and I'd say I don't know any most of this stuff. <laughs> to be honest with you, just the basics. So, um, what on that note, would you say like, are you guys going to teach um, like a absolutely? So, having said that, just keep it keep an eye on uh, Fieldcraft Survival because I went to an EMT course, but it's not exactly mm-hmm. applicable. It was kind of a joke, right? It was just everybody needed their card mm, for some reason, correct. and they didn't care about actually the well-being of Frank or you. They just needed the fucking card, right? Where I need people that care about my well-being and can it parallels what I'm doing. Well, and have experience in the realm you're talking about. Exactly. Yep. I mean, because these these kind of injuries aren't taught in basic first aid. I mean, there's they're 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 glanced over. Yeah. They're, it's just a, you know you're sitting there taking class and you're on your your, your phone you know, texting, it's just, you're not going to pick it up. So in the, in the field craft world, yeah, there's critical incident age course. There's, uh, there's more advanced courses. Um, we will have a series coming out that I'm currently doing the, the content for, um, yes, to get to that level where we can actually provide that just like we did downrange before we went downrange on the combat first responder course or the tactical combat casualty care course, depending on the level of your training and what was expected of you, uh, how austere you were fixing to get. You needed to have everybody on the team knowing at least that baseline knowledge. Whether he was a gun guy or explosives guy or a combo guy, he still had to know the basics. Because me as the medic, or the as the medical provider in that case, if something happens to me, I got that guy to to work on me. I got to know, so I'm training him as best as I can. Yeah, well, because you have as every likelihood of getting shot as they do, so obviously you have I've to, been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's where your arms all fucked up. <laughs> that's why my arms all fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, so the cutting would be one, I would say another one, which is different than, than, than medical, but you know, falling off of cliffs, right? So falls, yes, falls. out of deer stands, out of off cliffs, you know, those kind of things. So flatlander, we one don't of, see those, but one of my buddies had, um, not that he wanted me to do this, but just as he's spouting off knowledge was, um, talking about, a a punctured or compressed lung and this thing, mm-hmm. you make a slit and you poke this fucker in it's and chest it, tube. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys teach anything in that depth? Because he he can do it off some shitty finds in the office, right? I mean, he he's at your level, right? He's, okay, um, so if he's that guy, he's going to be the guy that's going to do that particular procedure. But there's a lesser procedure that buys you time mm-hmm. until you can get somewhere. It's called a needle decompression, mm-hmm. and we do teach that at the critical incident. Aid course. And that's just releasing the pressure. On just the releasing of the, the pressure because it's it's a it's increased tension due to air, which mm-hmm. believe it or not. A thousand cc's a liter of air in your chest cavity can cause a compression on your heart, mm-hmm. which you know the lung will will deflate. That's okay; you can live without that. People get lungs removed all the time and live. It's the pressure on the return of the blood going to your heart because it's shifting it in your cavity, left or right, depending on which lung, uh, to where it doesn't pump properly. The heart's pump, and if it doesn't pump properly, decreases the amount of blood to your head. You pass out. Next thing you know, you're DRT, dead, yep. dead right there. Yep. No, that makes sense. And then. If you can, in a line unit, you said you were a grunt, you, mm-hmm. you get, I would say being, um, 
as uh, PC as I can, mm-hmm. you are brushed through a ton of shit and never really learn anything. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely right. Uh, so, like, they we watched a video on, on, on a trach, right? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know that I could take a ballpoint pen and slit Frank's throat and jam a fucking pen in there. What would be some reasons you would even need to give, uh, like, a trach to? So, applicable to the outdoors. Right, and so there's two procedures that we look at. It's the tracheotomy and the... And the uh, Cricothyroidotomy. Okay, so that's just the, the the lesser of the two. You don't want to teach the trachs to people because those are really, you know, that's like uh, ear, nose, and throat surgeon stuff. But the crike is just a little bit lower, and it's one of those that you can you can do it, but it has to be taught hands on, mm-hmm. and it has to be taught either uh, on a uh, you can use a hog, you know, neck, and you can get in the trachea of that, and you can actually create the actual procedure and do that. And there are devices that companies make that you can teach the procedure, but it's got to be hands on. Yeah. And it's got to be observed by somebody that knows what they're doing, not just watching a video. Yeah, and we watched the video, and it was kind of like you said, nobody really paid attention. And back in the 80s when I went through, we didn't even know what that was, and we were like, here's your... Here's your first aid kit. It was a little bitty square thing with a with a cravat in it. Yeah. That was my first aid kit. <laughs> like if you get shot storming Normandy, good yeah. luck. Yeah, no, no shit. Well, <laughs> you know, on kind of on that note, one of my um well, my ex, which is a totally different story, has nothing to do with medical shit, but she went on mission trips mm-hmm. and they, they had a huge first aid bag and I opened it and I'm like did anybody show how to use any of this shit? And they had the the pressure release. I'm like, I think that's the, there's a little button on it and it would, and I was like, why the fuck are you even carrying that? Right. And I said, I don't know. And I'm like, well, it seems like if the church is giving you this, God is only going to help so much. Right. You might want to need to learn that fucking thing. Yeah. So and, all equipment <laughs> yeah, that you carry is useless. It's yeah. just weight. Yeah. Uh, and in their case, they're not rucking it in, so they're not humping it in, so they don't worry about that. But they somebody's going to run and grab that. Somebody's going to run back to you, and then you're going to open it up and go, oh, I don't know. Yeah. What do I do with this? Yeah. So that they're... Yeah, that's that's a prerequisite. It's kind of training comes with this stuff. It looked like, and I'm going off of memory here. It kind of had a almost a seal once it went through, and then you would seal it to the body. Right. And on the top, almost looked like a thermometer with a, a button on top. Is that yeah? To that's, de- that's a release pressure. So that's uh, what we call a Heimlich valve, mm-hmm. and that's an older version. But the, now that we use the uh, the hyphens, which is a, a chest seal, mm-hmm. it has three little fenestrations in it. That allows that air to escape, but air not to come back in. Okay. So if you ever get a phone call from Frank or I, just yeah, be just prepared. You're probably going to have to explain dial. this shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, he's fucked up, doc. I'll tell you what we should do. <laughs> what we should do is I should come down here and give you all a class next time I'm passing through town. No, I, I think that'll be good. And, and obviously with the kind of the partnership with Fieldcraft where we're pushing guys, you know, to you for this stuff, um, you know, knowing how stupid I am with, with this stuff, <laughs> I, I just wing it mostly, and I've never been faced with a – well, neither one of us have a position that we've had to be go past winging it. And that's my only real concern. If someone truly is that screwed up, that I don't have the knowledge base to fix it. Yeah, and, and, and Aaron, here's the deal is I speak two languages that, like, other than English, and one of them's grunt and the other one's rancher. So I can speak We're good, to, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can speak to normal people and tell you how to do this stuff and keep it real simple without getting to the – there are literally, I could probably do in a half an hour things, like three things. I'm always about three things. Like three main things that I see that happen and teach you those in grunt. Yeah. And you'll get it and go, 
got it. And you'll remember, hey, Doc, I had a guy hit me up the other day, said something you taught me three years ago. My little daughter jumped in the pool. She put a gumball in it, went down her airway. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I went into the OODA loop, observe, orient, decide, and act. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that Heimlich thing you taught me, maneuver, and I saved her life. And he posted it. I'm like, that was three years ago. And he remembered this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and he did it on his daughter. Yeah. You know, so there are things that when you teach it in just a normal person level you don't need to teach it and you don't need a certificate to save a life right no that makes sense well you know talking about um and as they say that we're over an hour you got on time affirmative okay um assessing so let's say you frank frank and i are on a goat hunt um well we were just on one so uh i fall off um i fall off a cliff let's say and you can pretty easily tell my right leg's fucked it's broken right Right. uh not compound just crooked um (laughs) and internally I've got some shit going on, uh, but I, I, you know, other than saying I'm in pain and I'm having trouble breathing, you know, as far as like uh, assessment, like Mm -hmm. what are some questions Frank should be asking me to know how fucked up I am? So question number one is, is he right next to you or is he from a distance yelling at you? Let's say he's right next to me to okay. keep it simple. So, yeah, he, Frank, he, he I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm laying down here. I yeah. think that was about 200 feet. Yeah. Uh, that's why your leg looks like a question mark. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> here's the deal. You're going to walk up, first of all, and you're going you're gonna to put your hand on him and say, hey, you okay, buddy? And just get that initial contact. Look at, look at them looking at it. And, you know, provide assurance that you're there to help, even though inside of you, you're like, holy fuck, your leg is a question mark. Yeah. (laughs) Number one. Number two, I'm going to, me, personally, if I don't know anything about medicine, walk up, and I'm going to take my own pulse first, okay? And and I'm not saying that's a a figurative thing, is slow down. Yep. Combat breathe. Get yourself a couple of, and go, okay, I'm in the zone. Because if you're not in the zone and you're in the black zone, as uh, Grossman talks about in his book, you know, Mm -hmm. On Killing on Combat, both books, you're you're not going to think straight. You're gonna you're gonna tunnel vision. You're not going to see the big picture of what's going on with this. Person. Potentially make things worse. If they talk to you, they got an airway. Boom, it's done. All right, I'm okay. Yeah, look at me. You're gonna be okay. Reassurance. You're gonna get them to calm down. Their heart rate's gonna slow down a little bit, and they know you, and they're like, you can't do anything for me. I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. And then you're, in, you're back in the heart rate going up again. <laughs> but uh, but but then Aaron, Aaron, I just did that podcast. You, I know I'm gonna die. <laughs> right. <laughs> So then you're going to look at things like, okay, is he bleeding you know, out? Because bleeding out right away, we look in combat, we, we used to do like the ABCs. Well, that didn't help me when they're bleeding out. Yeah. So I got to stop the bleeding while I'm talking to him and put my hand on it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't see active bleeding, something squirting everywhere, all right, it's just a leg that's bent. Okay, we, that's not a bad deal, really. Yeah. Uh, unless there's a bone sticking through and it's your femur, and then you can lose two or three liters of blood pretty quick. Uh, so at that point, the assessment is head to toe. So if I'm talking just head to toe and they're not bleeding out and I don't have to stop the bleeding, is just, hey, are you okay? Roger that. Okay, good. All right, you're talking to me. You got an airway. If you don't, now you got to get an airway. Mm-hmm. At that point, am I trained to do a cricothyroidotomy? You know, get into the neck here and put an airway in? No, probably not. And I don't have the equipment. All right, so at this point, I've got to look at positioning the head and all these things that we talk about in the ABCs, you know, uh, first responder stuff, but just making them so they can be comfortable. Mm-hmm. All right. While you're talking to them, while you're doing this stuff, but you're going head to toe and you're looking at all these things and you're looking and sometimes you do what we call a blood sweep and you get underneath them and look for maybe something puncture them behind them. Are they breathing hard? Did they, did they puncture a lung? Because it could be internal. It could be the bowel. But at that point, that's one of my last things I'm going to worry about. It's just uh, they're talking to me. They're coherent. Do you know where you're at now? Okay. Do they have a closed head injury? Are they bleeding inside their brain? Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to be another reason for me to go. Okay, well, other than the question mark sitting there below his waist, wh- I got to exfil with this guy. We know this already. 
how how what what are the things that I can do to mitigate this while I'm waiting for a response? So, in, in backing up just a little bit because you you know triage basically. Yeah. Okay, the leg in a J is out of a one to ten, not high on the scale for not me because really. it's like oh, you might limp a little bit. It's, that shit's gonna heal. You're not gonna die. So, should someone if the fall was that far, you know, and and potentially their airways open and you're talking to them. If Frank fell off a 100-foot cliff, mm-hmm. before I even got to him, I would have already hit the beacon, uh, personally. Because you, you can see that, and you got experience. Yeah, like, okay, no one's falling that far without something being right. pretty fucked up. Right. When, I, when I hit the beacon, and this goes into the land nav and, mm-hmm. and everything else, um, on an inReach, which is what we carry, um, you can't call, right? On a sat phone, you can on this. You can only text uh, on the inReach. Would you suggest when you when you when you hit that button um, to text uh, hunting partner fell approximately 100 feet not on site yet but I can see him should you give that you know do you think or just that get to- helps the crews when they're coming out and and also you you know it's like when we do a nine line we call it I'm calling for a medevac mm-hmm. I got to give them number one where I'm at grid so, coordinate so but uh, that goes out in the beacon so I was gonna say the grid coordinate goes out in the beacon but if you have a relative uh, understanding of a Black Hawk or a oh, any helicopter, mm-hmm. what I suggested to people, and that's why I want to get your feedback, right. is if Frank is at a position where I've stabilized him enough, I set up a landing zone, meaning Correct. the eight-digit grid I've given you or the 10-digit grid is the location of the individual. 300 meters northeast of that 10-digit grid is a landing strip where you can drop. Right. Those are the things I think would probably be good for people to understand as well as much as the the the, the treatment of the person, mm-hmm. but also what to do after to to further his possibility of, of living. You want to kind of go into some of that? Correct. Yeah. So as let's say that we've done initial stabilization, we know that the time in route is thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. I've already given them that 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 grid coordinate. I've given them the landing zone, which is three hundred meters northwest of this location. Um, I am uh, marking this location with an orange because everything's burnt orange in the hunting world. You, you can set one of those out there, and this is the location because they need a, a visual recognition. If you don't have smoke, you know, you're not going to start a fire. So at this point, I've got this orange panel or I've got this orange jacket that's sitting out there. You can see it, and it'll blow away when they land. Who cares? So but you're going to set all that up for them to come in. Be aware that there is a high-tension line to your west about 500 meters. You know, so they know when they're coming in, they're not going to come in from the west that they could potentially, you know, now end up with multiple situations on top of, you know, your situation. So then, uh, or if you're in a triple canopy, which happens in, you know, in jungles for up, when I say triple canopy, uh, lots of, lots of foliage above you. Am I going to have to drop a hoist and put a a jungle penetrator in, or can I drop a basket down to you, Mm -hmm. you know, to the side of a cliff? I've done this before and. I saw it in right. Panama. Yeah. That thing's pretty fucking impressive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And some dude will come down and if they're, you know, a, a robust enough uh, uh, agency to have that, that kind of capability. But uh, typically they do in certain areas that they expect these kind of. Colorado, I would say, is probably one of the oh, higher yeah. level because there's so many hikers. Colorado, California. Yeah. Um, Texas has got it because we land on rooftops in hurricanes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we're in the Coast Guard's there. So like a jungle, jungle penetrator, Frank, just uh, in, in when we were in. I was at one of the last classes to go through Fort Clayton before they oh, closed yeah, it down. Yeah. I, I fucking hate the jungle. Yeah, um, so do I. The jungle <laughs> was so thick. And, and keep, I'm from Oregon, right? I've, right? I've seen rainforest. Yeah. 
literally when you go through the land nav course, they tell you do not cross Sweetwater Swamp. Well, for any alpha male, you're like, it can't be that fucking, it's that fucking bad. So the roots are so high in the water and the water is deep enough. You're literally walking with your face above the water because the canopy from above is pushing you down. One of the teams in the land nav course said, let's just cross Sweetwater. Well, they had to send a juggle. Part of the training was the jungle penetrator. Also, they had to send it in to pull this fucking team out, which was just training, right? Yeah. Well, that thing, what is the jungle penetrator way? It went straight through oh, that canopy. It was like yeah. a backo in the front of it. To, to it's got to be in. a couple hundred pounds. Yeah, it, it went pushing right through there. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and nobody was hurt. They were just freaked out because they were sleeping on those fucking little roots coming off in the water of the trees. They were just sitting on there because they didn't know what to do to get out. Yeah, if you could imagine like a spear gun, it's like the, the wings on it are set back so it can go straight down. But mm-hmm. then as soon as it gets down, they fold out and then yeah. you can sit on it and come out. But they pulled the whole team out with that and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about right Not now but, but but it is cool um it's, it's great a great tool but when you're talking about like a high line one of the things that probably would be a suggestion like in the case of is um you know we have you know to my east there is a 13.5 peak and a ridge line um you know reference points is, are great wind is blowing to the northeast approximately 15 miles an hour is that shit that they should mention the, the pilots generally, unless you're in some extreme conditions, are going to be able to handle all of that. So yeah. just, I wouldn't add a lot to my repertoire of okay. what I'm saying. I would just give them the, the things that are in a nine line. You can look up a nine line and we, we can go through them one by one, but it really doesn't matter. What, what matters is the key critical stuff. So how many patients I have, mm-hmm. what their state is, yeah. they're alert, they're oriented. Okay. They're talking to me. That's good. They're not breathing. That's bad. So you give that state of what this person is in. These are the injuries. Uh, you're probably, you know, the leg looks like a question mark. You're probably going to need a, a traction splint. Mm-hmm. Um, they typically will travel with those things if they're expecting those kind of injuries in that location, but it doesn't hurt them to, to know that mm-hmm. you're going to need two litters. I mm-hmm. mean, how many people are ambulatory? Well, one of them's got a broken arm and his bone is showing, but I've got it in a sling. Okay. Roger that. What did you do for them? Hey, I gave this guy some, uh, Meloxicam, some Mobic, you know, we talked about earlier, and it seems to be controlling his pain, but you're probably going to need some pain medicine because he's really hurting and it's kind of taking it down to a six from an eight. Yeah. You know, you can, you can give that information because that's what we call in the, in the military, uh, um, uh, and medevac world is the missed report. Like what was the mechanism of injury? It was a fall. It was 200 feet. Okay. Or hundred feet. Okay. Got it. Uh, what, what, what were the injuries? Looks like a fucked up leg. Okay. Yeah. You don't have to say it was a femur or it was a tibia or fibula. And then what did you do to them? And then what was the response to it? Yeah. And then that tells them a little bit more information if you get there. So you can look at a nine line and a mist report, M-I-S-T, and it, and it, those will help them. Okay. And then the thing you do to help them is going to help you. Yeah. So no, it was right. just kind of communications between y'all. But if you don't know any of that, just your hazards is key. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not at a hot LZ. Nobody's shooting at us. Okay, good. All right. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, unless yeah. you're in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Portland. Where meth is now legal. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Great. Yeah. Uh, Frank, am I forgetting anything, Frank, that, that kind of crazy shit that's happened to uh, you or I or individually that lightning the other thing, is like, Yeah. I was going to say lightning is something I, I don't know if there's much planning you can do beyond, you know, getting out of. What's your thought on staying away from trees during lightning? So in, in, in my case, being from Oregon, you didn't have a choice. You, no. were, you were in trees. So uh, here it's not as lightning is an issue above tree line. So for me, I never gave a shit too much because I couldn't outrun the, the trees because they're everywhere in Oregon. And so 
the issue we have is the lightning strikes blowing the trees up and causing a, a big forest fire and then electrocuting the shit out of you, basically. That's really not as much of an issue as what we deal with where we're at 13,000 feet and you can talk to God firsthand, face-to-face. When those go over, what's the closest you've had one strike? Well, we were at, uh, you know, we're at camp and there's that glassing spot right above. We were standing at camp and we had just been up at this glassing <laughs> spot and out of, out of nowhere, just boom, it hit the right where we were just sitting. Um, so it's been pretty, we've had them pretty close. Well, our buddy in on a ODA team now, uh, him and I guess him and his buddy, they got, they're, I guess they're both snipers or they're one, well, Lance's a medic. Anyway, they got fucking hit with lightning. Like they have exit holes where they got hit. And we didn't talk, you know, he doesn't, I'd say Lance doesn't really talk at all. He messaged me, said, got hit by lightning. Okay. That's that's what I got out of him, right? I think I might know him. Okay. Uh, So, (laughs) um, yeah, tougher than woodpecker lips. But he, what are your suggestions with, like, my suggestion's not great. I just get in the tent and hope for the best and lay there and read. Like there's not a whole lot you can do if a lightning storm's blowing over at the altitude we're at, because you're probably not going to be able to outrun it. Um, and so yeah. I just get in the tent and he does basically the same thing. Obviously it looks like it's coming right for us. I'm going to shift, but I mean, I'm not giving the best advice cause I'm used to it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely getting to the lowest, uh, elevation within my realm. If you know, if it's a little bit of a draw or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. you're not going to sit on the top of a, uh, the edge of a spur. So, well, 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 let's say we are camped, um, probably 300 feet to 500 feet below the lowest point around us. Uh, generally we're on a bench or a flat area. I know they say to get into a depression, but Mm -hmm. lightning's coming. Your camp spot's not bad. You're not at the summit. Mm -hmm. What should someone do? Uh, one, if they, for preventative, should they move? And then two, if there is a lightning, someone does get hit with lightning. What are they supposed to do other than that? So lightning short circuits, your electrical system. I'm just going to say that if it, if it does go through your body where your heart is, you could literally stop the heart. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's one of the few things where if somebody looks like they're dead, you, you still continue to work them. You Mm -hmm. still go ahead. Now, if you don't have an uh, automatic external defibrillator to -hmm. restart their heart, you're going to be doing CPR for a while. Gotcha. You know, at that point. Um, but if it's going to be an extremity injury where, like Lance, you had an exit wound mm-hmm. type of thing. At that point, you're going to treat it like a burn. Yeah, because okay. it went in his back and came out his toe, didn't it? Yeah, I think it knocked, yeah, it's gonna, knocked it's their gonna go to the grounding point. So it's going to you typically like knock them off their feet, and yeah. it's going to go out their foot, and their bottom of their sole is going to be gone off their shoe. Mm-hmm. You know, which is a m- minor inconvenience at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is sixty six times. <laughs> what six times? Yeah, yeah. Um, so just a burn. That's what you're you're looking. When at. I'm looking at the treatment for that kind of stuff, if they're walking and talking to you, yeah, we're okay. But if you get to the point where it's actually going to go through and and it's going to stop that heart. Yeah. That's CPR city right yeah. there. So yeah. now, um, I had who the Spartan precision guy sent me, um, adrenaline, adrenaline injections. Yeah. I have no fucking idea when I would ever use that. I watched Pulp Fiction. It seemed to work for her. Um, <laughs> is that something that people should stay yeah, away for from? The number of times that meth heads came in the ER, <laughs> <laughs> I tried this and it didn't work. Well, you've caused a collapse lung. We'll go ahead and fix that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Epinephrine or aden- adrenaline is uh, something that can speed up the heart if they're really, really slow, but it's also something that, uh, in this thing called asystole, the magic word from doctors, which means flatline, mm-hmm. it's the, one of the medications that we give is epinephrine, adrenaline, okay. also known as adrenaline. 
So, so Frank uh, dies, I can shoot him with that shit. But you don't have to put it in the heart. You're going to give that IV. You're not going to okay. try to find the heart and do that because you're going to cause other problems. It's going to. So don't do the Pulp Fiction thing. Okay. Uh, in directly into the heart. You, you want me to stab her three times? <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. And of course, I wasn't a doctor then, so I'm like, cool, I can, I can do that. Uh, uh, and I asked my dad, and he's like, "You're fucked up, son. Don't do that." <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I would say uh, we're, we're looking at. Uh, epinephrine is is use, but there is some training required with mm-hmm. it. Um, being able to start an IV would be helpful, yeah. you know, so you can introduce it correctly. So actually go into the IV portion of this. So obviously being in the military myself, I learned to give IVs and give them to myself. So for a while, which I looked like, a, I'd give it through my foot so I could give it to myself, and then yeah. I would hang the IV on the mirror of my truck and sit in the parking lot after a hard, uh, you know, 10, 12, 14-day backpack trip. I give myself um, an IV. I don't. I can't get them as easy now as I used to. Uh, they have IV stations here, and, and you know, for people getting mm-hmm. too fucked up, you can go get an yeah, IV yeah, the next a, day. That's a big thing lately. Yeah. Um, I would give it to myself in my in my foot, mm-hmm. um, and then just hang it from the mirror. I was you. You know, obviously, people pulling up the trailhead were freaked the fuck out, but in general, it, I immediately felt better. It was. It was. Uh, oh, of course. Uh, yeah. So. Is that something you think people should should learn? Uh, is that worthwhile? Or is should that learn. Little... It's kind of one of those things that's after I've learned all my other medical stuff that's going to be life-saving, not a bad skill to have at all um, because it's, it's just something you can plus yourself up pretty easy, and if you can carry it in, uh, why not? I always I kept them in the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm not going to – I wouldn't carry it in just the weight, right? Yeah, but, yeah. When I had it in the truck, basically, now I didn't do it every time I hiked out, but if I had just smoked myself, carried out an animal, I would give myself one. Um, the training, it's fairly, it's not that difficult mm. once you learn. It's a little weird when you first jab the needle in the guy's arm and you're like, oh shit, and you're not worth a fuck yet, and you stabbed him 14 times. But once you get the hang of it, it's not that bad, no, I thought. No, it's 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 not a difficult procedure to do. Yeah, It's just uh, people have got to get over their fear of needles, number yeah. one, and then uh, learn the correct angle to come in at, which way to put the bevel, uh, when to advance the catheter. You know, there's, there's certain little key critical steps you can learn. Trying to remember a couple of times I had, because uh, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, the catheter roll up, and then you have like this little ball in your your, your vein. Yeah, um, that's cool as shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I, I will say as far as not life-threatening, I literally, if I was at a six, went to a nine immediately after <laughs> right. pumping an IV in me. Have you ever got one, Frank? Uh, I dated a chick that was uh, in nursing school, and she would try to practice on you yeah did, did you feel better it felt felt more hydrated yeah I mean, if she poked the shit at me like you're talking about because she was right. just learning it was kind of annoying but yeah it was kind of i mean it's cool just to get that yeah is that something you guys will teach we don't have it in the critical incident aid course it's just because it's it does require a little bit of time and we only have so much time on those on those days but uh it's something that we can teach if we have enough interest in it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, you know, basic IV stuff is not a hard thing to teach. Gotcha. Yeah. That's the only reason why I was wondering. Um, so if you were going to list uh, for, for the backpack portion, right, for a guy going ultralight, um, you know, 10, 12, 14 day, either solo or with a buddy backpack mm-hmm. hunt, what would be the primary things they need to have in their pack, would you okay. say? So I would have my uh, individual first aid kit um, looking at uh, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, because I know now where I'm, you know, where I'm working, we have those. You can get them directly from us, or you can look at what's in ours and you can go buy them individually if you want. You'll pay more. Yeah, uh, I know that. 
uh, for just the trauma stuff. So it's going to be your tourniquet. It's going to be your uh, nasal pharyngeal airway, maybe. Um, your packing material is for, and I don't mean packing like packing things in and out, but packing like the, the gauze. Mm-hmm. It's an S-roll gauze, so you can feed it in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, your emergency bandage, which is the all-inclusive wraparound bandage. Mm-hmm. And it says this side towards the wound, kind of like the claymore, this side towards enemy. It's made so you can't, can't screw up. Can't fuck it up. It's, yeah. it's ball-bearing proof. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so you got that. Uh, I would say one is none is two is one. Mm-hmm. So I would have two tourniquets Yeah, uh, because you'd never know when the first one's not going to work fully and mm-hmm. you can put a second one on. Gotcha. You know, a lot of people stop and they go, well, I got tourniquet on. It's not working. Well, then either tighten it up, reconfigure or put a second one on. So you, one is none, two is one. Um, so that's your trauma stuff. Then your, then your ouchie boo boo stuff. And then, you know, that's just bandages, uh, some flush for your eyes because sometimes you might get something dust or something in your eyes or you might you know scratch it so give yourself something that you can flush your eyes out with mm-hmm. um so that's just just sailing you, yeah. know, you can buy that stuff and then uh if i'm coming working my way down i'm thinking uh do you strip for basic cuts mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to have a suture kit but if you're comfortable and somebody shows you how to do it you can do it i mean you can suture it may not be pretty but you know it's just about you know stopping that bleed but but honestly, uh, a good Steri-Strip kit will work just as well. What about like Durabond? Uh, the, the Durabond is good for smaller cuts that are that are that approximate or come together real well. Mm-hmm. Those are great. And the other thing to look at is and this is awesome for a scalp injury is a, is a staple gun. Mm-hmm. Okay, not not from Ace Hardware. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can get somebody in the medical industry and they can point you right direction and just just simple surgical staples. Mm-hmm. And then just on a scalp, they're great. Or if their hair is long enough which for you is, is not going to work here unless yeah. the cut happens in your beard, <laughs> but you can actually take their long hair and tie those together and that becomes Pull a suture. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucking smart. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. So on the staple gun, if let's say I put, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting the animal part and I go over and I, and I cut myself right down my forearm. Is that all right for a staple gun or Absolutely. is that better? Okay. Yeah. You don't have any lidocaine, so it's going to hurt. Yeah. But if you just, there's a little notch in the center, you know, it's easier to describe if I had a picture, but, uh, and you, and you line that up with the wound, you have somebody, after you've cleaned it and all that and flushed it out really well, uh, and it's not a puncture wound. Now, here's there's a difference, and I'm going to get to that afterwards. But if it's just a linear, you know, just a, a slice from your knife, and that mm-hmm. happens a lot, it's uh, lining that up and just taking that staple gun, just, just like you would, you know, stapling anything, and you try to approximate them to bring that wound together mm-hmm. from the midline, looking at that line down the center, line that thing up with the little guy that's already on there, and just put them in, keep them separated out about, so I, I start in the middle, and then I go and I cut the distance each time until I have enough to close that whole thing. Just split it into quarters then, basically. Split it into quarters and maybe eights or I'm something. I'm going to get one, Frank, just so I can staple you. This is going to be fun. Let <laughs> me get some lidocaine. Yeah. Uh, on lidocaine, how hard is that? Is that something? Uh, a it has a shelf life. Can, you can you can't get it. You can. You can get a doctor to do it, buddy, yeah. or something. But uh, it has a shelf life, and then it's also uh, susceptible to elements yeah so okay. it's something that if you're not using all the time you, know, you might be keep at the house or something gotcha. or in, in your truck kit yeah. yeah but even then if you're in arizona that's another deal where it's gonna uh deg- degrade it to some degree with heat heat gotcha mm-hmm. um i think i guess really um you know with all the different stuff we talked about if you want you know more than an hour and a half uh 
podcast, uh, the Fieldcraft Survival. They can hop on there. Roger You're doing that. classes right now, mm-hmm. and then you guys are offering classes as well on there. yes. And and there you know there are tons of sidebar questions that happen because people have a different uh, aptitude and desire to learn more during these classes. There, you know, every break there's questions like this that come in. What can I do? Well, where are you at with your training? Okay, well, you understand this? Okay, then I push them a little further that way. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I would say I would think with this specific um, you, 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 uh, at the task at hand or what we're talking about, probably a lot of the questions are, are um, off of the collective of that person's experience of, of what's yes. happened, meaning like yeah, I threw out just like your stories. gallbladders and a kidney go. stone. Um, so I imagine there's fucking squirrels running around all over when they're asking questions of, of all different types. Do you, yeah. do you have any, Frank? What's that? Uh, any questions before we finish up? Here? What were you mentioning about the puncture? Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. See, it's TBI kicking in. I, I got TBI as well. Got blown up in a truck and walked away from it. Um, uh, an arrow goes in your body, right? And if it sticks in the bone, then you know where it's at. It stops. But if it's if it's something that you can – we don't recommend taking arrows out like you're going to cause more damage. But let's say it just goes through, and it's a through and through. Or it's a uh, – you run into an antler. You know, I'm looking at an antler on the desk here, and it punctures you. Or when I used to ride up in Montana going up and getting cattle out of the high country, you know, you get a, if you're not wearing chaps or chinks, you get a stick in your leg Mm -hmm. and it's a puncture injury. Well, imagine all that dirty material that's down inside there. Mm -hmm. You don't close those. You let them heal by primary intention. The body's going to heal it, but you flush them out real well. Keep flushing them out. Keep flushing them out. Keep doing it over two, three times a day if you're out in the back country and you got 13 days in and you really don't want to be that guy to say, hey, I'm going to come out because I got punctured. Mm-hmm. You could probably handle to a certain degree and it didn't hit an artery and it didn't break the bone. You could probably handle that puncture. I've, I've been punctured before downrange and it happens and my guys just took care of it just flushed it and let it heal from the inside you, out you flushing it with saline with saline okay yeah you'll start out with betadine uh, as long as you don't have any allergy to uh, the iodine stuff and there's other other things that we can use other surgical cleansers but that's where you flush that out and you and it's called vigorous copious flushing which means a lot so you're taking like a a syringe, and that's something you can put in your kit too, is take a syringe, especially somebody should have one downrange. Uh, you know, I, I go by, I think by CCs, but it's going to be like 500 CCs or 200 CCs, 100. My buddy used his contact solution. Uh, yeah. He actually knew what the fuck he was doing because when he told me that, I was like, I would have never thought of that, but it's a squirter. Right. So he's opened it wide and just started to use that. If that's what you got, that's what you use. Gotcha. And there's another one for burns. It's pretty cool. I learned this from the guy that did the Parkland formula, which is you know Parkland Hospital in Dallas, big hospital, mm-hmm. burn center. Uh, the, the guru of this, he wrote the Parkland formula for doctors means something, um, is you can use uh, mentholated shaving cream and some saran wrap and literally take that stuff and cover it. If you don't have uh, what's called silvadine, which is the, the stuff we use in the ER, um, but you can use like just a little tiny little canister of that stuff, keep it with you, that's small enough, mm-hmm. and some saran wrap and cover a burn. And that way it keeps it moist and it keeps it, uh, there's a barrier. You know, certain burns are really bad requiring you to go to the ER after a certain body surface area. Mm-hmm. But that's just a simple fix that you can get at the Walmarts. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, that makes the sense. travel one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, fuck, we could go on all day. I should probably get off. but um, Or we should get off of here. But uh, so... 
tell everybody where they can find you on on social media. Uh, okay, like yeah. That. So it's Doc Pete underscore L F W. Look for work. Okay, that's my my motto <laughs> of life. But it's Doc Pete underscore L F W, uh, and that's the Instagram. And then on there, you'll see my link to fieldcraftsurvival.com. You can also go direct there on the uh, on the line. Gotcha. Well, man, I appreciate well everything everything you've done for the your service to the country, uh, helping us out, and then obviously will probably become a epic pain in your ass in the next few years as far as bugging you with questions and classes. So I, I appreciate everything, and I definitely appreciate you coming on. And, and and I'll offer this out if you anybody sends you something direct, you mm-hmm. just forward it to me if you mm-hmm. have an issue because I I don't mind doing that. That's what. That's what we're about. Cool. No, that's good because uh, I know Jack and shit about uh, first aids. Uh, obviously, after well, you, this podcast. you show me how to tune up my recurve, and we'll be we'll be we'll even. be good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. Well, yeah. cool, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming on, and everybody, thanks for tuning in.